section fourteen of heroines every child should know this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recorded by michelle fry baton rouge louisiana heroines every child should know edited by hamilton wright maybe and kate stevens chapter ten part two madame roland the spirit of revolution was advancing with giant strides and the throne was reeling beneath the blows of the people massacres were rife all over the kingdom the sky was nightly illumined by conflagrations nobles were abandoning their estates and escaping from perils and death to refuge in the little army of emigrants at coblenz the king insulted and a prisoner reigned but in name he hoped by the appointment of a republican ministry to pacify the democratic spirit he yielded to the pressure dismissed his ministers and surrendered himself to the girondists for the appointment of a new ministry the girondists called upon monsieur roland to take the important post of minister of the interior it was a perilous position to fill but what danger will not ambition face in the present posture of affairs the minister of the interior was the monarch of france monsieur roland smiled nervously at the power which thus unsolicited was passing into his hands madame roland whose all-absorbing passion it now was to elevate her husband to the highest summits of greatness was gratified in view of the honor and agitated in view of the peril but to her exalted spirit the greater the danger the more heroic the act the burden is heavy she said but roland has a great consciousness of his own powers and would derive fresh strength from the feeling of being useful to liberty and his country in march seventeen ninety two he entered upon his arduous and exalted office when monsieur roland made his first appearance at court instead of arraying himself in the court dress he affected in his costume the simplicity of his principles he had not forgotten the impression produced in france by franklin as in republican simplicity he moved among the glittering throng at versailles he accordingly presented himself at the tuileries in a plain black coat with a round hat and dusty shoes fastened with ribbons instead of buckles the courtiers were indignant the king was highly displeased at what he considered an act of disrespect the master of ceremonies was in consternation and exclaimed with a look of horror to general damuriez my dear sir he has not even buckles on his shoes mercy upon us exclaimed the old general with the most laughable expression of affected gravity we shall then all go to ruin together monsieur roland after his first interview with the monarch assured his wife that the community had formed a totally erroneous estimate of the king that he was a hearty supporter of the constitution which had been forced upon him the prompt reply of madame roland displayed even more than her characteristic sagacity if louis is sincerely a friend of the constitution he must be virtuous beyond the common race of mortals mistrust your own virtue monsieur roland you are only an honest countryman wandering amid a crowd of courtiers they speak our language we do not know theirs no louis cannot love the chains that fetter him he may feign to caress them he thinks only of how he can spurn them no man likes his humiliation trust in human nature that never deceives 
distrust courts your virtue is too elevated to see the snares which courtiers spread beneath your feet from all the spacious apartments of the mansion allotted as the residence of the minister of the interior madame roland selected a small and retired parlor which she had furnished with every attraction as a library and a study this was her much-loved retreat and here monsieur roland in the presence of his wife was accustomed to see his friends in all their confidential intercourse but the position of the girondists began to be more and more perilous the army of immigrant nobles at coblenz within the dominions of the king of prussia was rapidly increasing in numbers there were hundreds of thousands in france the most illustrious in rank and opulence who would join such an army the people all believed that louis wished to escape from paris and head that army on the other hand they saw another party the jacobin noisy turbulent sanguinary and threatening with destruction all connected in any way with the execrated throne monsieur roland was urged to present to the throne a most earnest letter of expostulation and advice madame roland sat down at her desk and wrote the letter for her husband it was expressed in that glowing style so eminently at her command its eloquence was inspired by the foresight she had of impending perils monsieur roland almost trembling in view of its boldness and its truths presented the letter to the king its last sentences will give some idea of its character Quote, love serve the revolution and the people will love it and serve it in you ratify the measures to extirpate their fanaticism paris trembles in view of its danger surround its walls with an army of defense delay longer and you will be deemed a conspirator and an accomplice just heaven hast thou stricken kings with blindness i know that truth is rarely welcomed at the foot of thrones i know too that the withholding of truth from kings renders revolutions so often necessary as a citizen a minister i owe truth to the king and nothing shall prevent me from making it reach his ear this celebrated letter was presented to the king on the 11th of june 1792 on the same day monsieur roland received a letter from the king informing him that he was dismissed from office here am i dismissed from office was monsieur roland's exclamation to his wife on his return home present your letter to the assembly that the nation may see for what counsel you have been dismissed replied the undaunted wife monsieur roland did so he was received as a martyr to patriotism the letter was read amid the loudest applause it was ordered to be printed and circulated by tens of thousands through the kingdom and there came rolling back upon the metropolis the echo of the most tumultuous indignation and applause the famous letter was read by all france nay more by all europe roland was a hero upon this wave of enthusiastic popularity madame roland and her husband retired from the magnificent palace where they had dwelt for so short a time and selected for their retreat very humble apartments in an apparently obscure street but monsieur roland and wife were more powerful now than ever before the letter had placed them in the front ranks of the friends of reform and enshrined them in the hearts of the ever fickle populace even the jacobins were compelled to swell the universal voice of commendation monsieur roland's apartments were ever thronged all important plans were discussed and shaped by him and his wife before they were presented to the assembly 
the outcry against monsieur roland's dismissal was falling in thunder tones on the ear of the king this act had fanned those flames of revolutionary frenzy which were now glaring in every part of france the people intoxicated and maddened by the discovery of their power were now arrayed with irresistible thirstings for destruction and blood against the king the court and the nobility there was no hope for louis but in the recall of monsieur roland the jacobins were upon him in locust legions monsieur roland alone could bring the girondists as a shield between the throne and the mob he was recalled and again moved in calm triumph from his obscure chambers to the palace of the minister if madame roland's letter dismissed him from office her letter also restored him again with an enormous accumulation of power madame roland was far more conscious of the peril than her husband with intense emotion but calmly and firmly she looked upon the gathering storm the peculiarity of her character and her great moral courage was illustrated by the mode of life she vigorously adopted she was entirely undazzled and resolved that consecrating all her energies to the demands of the tempestuous times she would waste no time in fashionable parties and heartless visits selecting for her own use one of the smallest parlors she furnished it as her library here she lived engrossed in study busy with her pen and taking an unseen but most active part in all those measures which were literally agitating the whole civilized world her little library was the sanctuary for all confidential conversations upon matters of state here her husband met his political friends to mature their measures she wrote many of his proclamations his letters his state papers and with all the glowing fervor of an enthusiastic woman she writes quote, without me my husband would have been quite as good a minister for his knowledge his activity his integrity were all his own but with me he attracted more attention because i infused into his writings that mixture of spirit and gentleness of authoritative reason and seducing sentiment which is perhaps only to be found in the language of a woman who has a clear head and a feeling heart anarchy now reigned throughout france the king and the royal family were imprisoned in the temple the girondists in the national convention and monsieur roland at the head of the ministry were struggling to restore the dominion of law and if possible to save the life of the king the jacobins who unable to resist the popularity of monsieur roland had for a time cooperated with the girondists now began to separate themselves again more widely from them they flattered the mob they encouraged every possible demonstration of lawless violence in tones daily increasing in boldness and efficiency they declared the girondists to be the friends of the monarch and the enemies of popular liberty madame roland in the name of her husband drew up for the convention the plan of a republic as a substitute for the throne from childhood she had yearned for a republic now the throne and hereditary rank were virtually abolished and all france clamored for a republic her husband was nominally minister of the interior but his power was gone the mob of paris had usurped the place of king and constitution and law the jacobins were attaining the decided ascendancy the guillotine was daily crimsoned with the blood of the noblest citizens of france the streets and the prisons were polluted with the massacre of the innocent 
monsieur roland was almost frantic in view of these horrors which he had no power to quell the mob headed by the jacobins had now the complete ascendancy and he was minister but in name he urged the adoption of immediate and energetic measures to arrest these execrable deeds of lawless violence many of the girondists in the assembly gave vehement utterance to their execration of the massacres others were intimidated by the weapons which the jacobins were now so effectually wielding madame roland distinctly saw and deeply felt the peril to which she and her friends were exposed she knew and they all knew that defeat was death the question between the girondist and the jacobin was who shall lie down on the guillotine for some time the issue of the struggle was uncertain the jacobins summoned their allies the mob they surrounded the doors and the windows of the assembly and with their howlings sustained their friends the girondists found themselves at the close of the struggle defeated yet not so decidedly but that they still clung to hope monsieur roland who had not yet entirely lost with the people that popularity which swept him again into the office of minister of the interior now presented the assembly his resignation of power which was merely nominal great efforts had for some time been made by his adversaries to turn the tide of popular hatred against him and especially against his wife madame roland might have fled from these perils and have retired with her husband to tranquillity and safety but she urged mr roland to remain at his post and resolved to remain herself and meet her destiny whatever it might be the jacobins now made a direct and infamous attempt to turn the rage of the populace against madame roland she was summoned to present herself before the convention to confront her accuser and defend herself from the scaffold her gentle yet imperial spirit was undaunted by the magnitude of the peril her name had often been mentioned in the assembly as the inspiring genius of the most influential party which had risen up amid the storms of the revolution her talents her accomplishments her fascinating eloquence had spread her renown widely through europe the aspect of a woman combining in her person and mind all the attractions of nature and genius entering this vast assembly of irritated men to speak in defense of her life at once hushed the clamor of hoarse voices and subdued the rage of angry disputants silence filled the hall every eye was fixed upon her she stood before the bar what is your name inquired the president she paused for a moment and then in clear and liquid tones answered roland a name of which i am proud for it is that of a good and an honorable man do you know achille viard the president inquired i have once and but once seen him what has passed between you twice he has written to me soliciting an interview once i saw him after a short conversation i perceived that he was a spy and dismissed him with the contempt he deserved briefly in tremulous tones of voice but with a spirit of firmness which no terrors could daunt she entered upon her defence it was the first time that a woman's voice had been heard in the midst of the clamour of these enraged combatants the assembly unused to such a scene were fascinated by her attractive eloquence madame roland was acquitted by acclamation upon the spot the president proposed that the marked respect of the convention be conferred upon madame roland with enthusiasm the resolution was carried 
as she retired from the hall her bosom glowed with the excitement of the triumph she had won her ear was greeted with the enthusiastic applause of the whole assembly the eyes of all france had been attracted to her as she thus defended herself and her friends and confounded her enemies the most distressing embarrassments now surrounded monsieur roland he could not abandon power without abandoning himself and his supporters in the assembly to the guillotine and while continuing in power he was compelled to witness deeds of atrocity from which not only his soul revolted but to which it was necessary for him apparently to give his sanction thus situated he sent in his final resignation and retired to humble lodgings in one of the obscure streets of paris here anxiously watching the progress of events he began to make preparations to leave the mob enthralled metropolis and seek a retreat in the calm seclusion of la platiere neither the sacredness of law nor the weapons of their friends could longer afford them any protection the danger became so imminent that the friends of madame roland brought her the dress of a peasant girl and entreated her to put it on as a disguise and escape by night that her husband might follow after her unencumbered by his family but she proudly repelled that which she deemed a cowardly artifice she threw the dress aside exclaiming i am ashamed to resort to such expedient i will neither disguise myself nor make any attempt at secret escape my enemies may find me always in my place if i am assassinated it shall be in my own home i owe my country an example of firmness and i will give it the gray of a dull and somber morning was just beginning to appear as madame roland threw herself upon a bed for a few moments of repose overwhelmed with sorrow and fatigue she had just fallen asleep when a band of armed men rudely broke into her house and demanded to be conducted to her apartment she knew too well the object of the summons the order for her arrest was presented her she calmly read it and requested permission to write to a friend the request was granted when the note was finished the officer informed her that it would be necessary for him to be made acquainted with its contents she quietly tore it into fragments and cast it into the fire then imprinting her last kiss upon the cheek of her unconscious child with the composure which such a catastrophe would naturally produce in so heroic a mind she left her home for the prison as she was led from the house a vast crowd collected around the door who believing her to be a traitor to her country and in league with her enemies shouted a la guillotine unmoved by their cries she looked calmly without gesture or reply one of the officers to relieve her from the insults to which she was exposed asked her if she wished to have the windows of the carriage closed no she replied i do not fear the looks of honest men and i brave those of my enemies you have very great resolution was the reply thus calmly to await justice justice she exclaimed were justice done i should not be here but i shall go to the scaffold as fearlessly as i now proceed to prison at ten o'clock that evening her cell being prepared she entered it for the first time it was a cold bare room with walls blackened by the dust and damp of ages there was a small fireplace in the room and a narrow window with a double iron grate which admitted but a dim twilight even at noonday in one corner there was a pallet of straw the chill night air crept in at the unglazed window and the dismal tocsin proclaimed that paris was still the scene of tumult 
and of violence madame roland threw herself upon her humble bed and was so overpowered by fatigue and exhaustion that she woke not from her dreamless slumber until twelve o'clock of the next day eudora who had been left by her mother in the care of weeping domestics was taken by a friend and watched over and protected with maternal care though madame roland never saw her idolized child again her heart was comforted in the prison by the assurance that she had found a home with those who for her mother's sake would love and cherish her when madame roland awoke from her long sleep instead of yielding to despair and surrendering herself to useless repinings she immediately began to arrange her cell as comfortably as possible and to look around for such sources of comfort and enjoyment as might yet be obtained she obtained the favor of a small table and then of a neat white spread to cover it this she placed near the window to serve for her writing desk to keep this table which she prized so highly unsoiled she smilingly told her keeper that she should make a dining table of her stove a rusty dining table indeed it was two hairpins which she drew from her own clustered ringlets she drove into the shelf for pegs to hang her clothes upon these arrangements she made as cheerfully as when superintending the disposition of the gorgeous furniture in the palace over which she had presided having thus provided her study her next care was to obtain a few books she happened to have thomas's seasons a favorite volume of hers in her pocket through the jailer's wife she succeeded in obtaining plutarch's lives and sheridan's dictionary the prison regulations were very severe the government allowed twenty pence per day for the support of each prisoner ten pence was to be paid to the jailer for the furniture he put into the cell ten pence only remained for food the prisoners were however allowed to purchase such food as they pleased from their own purse madame roland with that stoicism which enabled her to triumph over all ordinary ills resolved to conform to the prison allowance she took bread and water alone for breakfast the dinner was coarse meat and vegetables the money she saved by this great frugality she distributed among the poorer prisoners the only indulgence she allowed herself was in the purchase of books and flowers in reading and with her pen she beguiled the weary days of her imprisonment and though at times her spirit was overwhelmed with anguish at her desolate home and blighted hopes she still found solace in the warm affections which sprang up around her even in the uncongenial atmosphere of a prison one day some commissioners called at her cell hoping to exhort from her the secret of her husband's retreat she looked them calmly in the face and said gentlemen i know perfectly well where my husband is i scorn to tell you a lie i know also my own strength and i assure you that there is no earthly power which can induce me to betray him the commissioners withdrew admiring her heroism and convinced that she was still able to wield an influence which might yet bring the guillotine upon their own necks her doom was sealed the commissioners withdrew admiring her heroism and convinced that she was still able to wield an influence which might yet bring the guillotine upon their own necks her doom was sealed her heroism was a crime she was too illustrious to live madame roland remained some time in the abbaye prison on the twenty-fourth day of her imprisonment to her inexpressible astonishment an officer entered her cell and informed her that she was liberated as no charge could be found against her 
hardly crediting her senses fearing that she should wake up and find her freedom but a dream she took a coach and hastened to her own door her eyes were full of tears of joy and her heart almost bursting with delight in the anticipation of again pressing her idolized child to her bosom her hand was upon the door latch she had not yet passed the threshold when two men who had watched at the door of her dwelling again seized her in the name of the law in spite of her tears and supplications they conveyed her to the prison of saint pelagier this loathsome receptacle of crime was filled with the abandoned who had been swept from the streets of paris it was apparently a studied humiliation to compel their victim to associate with beings from whom her soul shrank with loathing many hours of every day she beguiled in this prison in writing the memoirs of her own life it was an eloquent and touching narrative written with the expectation that each sentence might be interpreted by the entrance of the executioners to conduct her to trial and to the guillotine in this unveiling of the heart to the world one sees a noble nature animated to benevolence by native generosity the consciousness of spiritual elevation constituted her only solace the anticipation of a lofty reputation after death was her only heaven no one can read the thoughts she penned but with the deepest emotion the girondists who had been in prison were led from their dungeons in the concierge to their execution on october thirty first seventeen ninety three upon that very day madame roland was conveyed from the prison of saint pelagier to the same gloomy cells vacated by the death of her friends she was cast into a bare and miserable dungeon in that receptacle of woe where there was not even a bed another prisoner moved with compassion drew his own pallet into her cell that she might not be compelled to throw herself for repose upon the cold wet stones the chill air of winter had now come and yet no covering was allowed her through the long night she shivered with the cold the day after madame roland was placed in the conciergerie she was visited by one of the officers of the revolutionary party and closely questioned concerning the friendship she had entertained for the girondists she frankly avowed the affection with which she cherished their memory but she declared that she and they were the cordial friends of republican liberty that they wished to preserve not to destroy the constitution the examination lasted for three hours and consisted in an incessant torrent of criminations to which she was hardly permitted to offer one word in reply this examination taught her the nature of the accusations which would be brought against her she sat down in her cell that very night and with a rapid pen sketched that defence which has been pronounced one of the most eloquent and touching monuments of the revolution it so beautifully illustrates the heroism of her character and the beauty and energy of her mind that it will ever be read with the liveliest interest she remained in the conciergerie but one week and during that time so endeared herself to all as to become the prominent object of attention and love her case is one of the most extraordinary the history of the world has presented in which the very highest degree of heroism is combined with the most resistless loveliness with an energy of will an inflexibility of purpose a firmness of endurance which no mortal man has yet exceeded she combined gentleness and tenderness and affection the day before her trial her advocate chavot de la garde visited her to consult respecting her defence 
she well aware that no one could speak a word in her favor but at the peril of his own life and also fully conscious that her doom was already sealed drew a ring from her finger and said to him to-morrow i shall be no more i know the fate which awaits me your kind assistance cannot avail aught for me and would but endanger you i pray you therefore not to come to the tribunal but to accept of this last testimony of my regard the next day she was led to her trial she attired herself in a white robe as a symbol of her innocence and her long dark hair fell in thick curls on her neck and shoulders she emerged from her dungeon a vision of unusual loveliness the prisoners who were walking in the corridors gathered around her and with smiles and words of encouragement she infused energy into their hearts calm and invincible she met her judges whenever she attempted to utter a word in her defense she was browbeaten by the judges and silenced by the clamors of the mob which filled the tribunal at last the president demanded of her that she should reveal her husband's asylum she proudly replied i do not know of any law by which i can be obliged to violate the strongest feelings of nature this was sufficient and she was immediately condemned her sentence was thus expressed Quote, the public accuser has drawn up the present indictment against jane mary flippon the wife of roland late minister of the interior for having wickedly and designedly aided and assisted in the conspiracy which existed against the unity and indivisibility of the republic against the liberty and safety of the french people by assembling at her house in secret council the principal chiefs of that conspiracy and by keeping up a correspondence tending to facilitate their treasonable designs the tribunal having heard the public accuser deliver his reasons concerning the application of the law condemns jane mary flippon wife of roland to the punishment of death she listened calmly to her sentence and then rising bowed with dignity to her judges and smiling said i thank you gentlemen for thinking me worthy of sharing the fate of the great men whom you have assassinated i shall endeavor to imitate their firmness on the scaffold with the buoyant step of a child and with a rapidity which almost betokened joy she passed beneath the narrow portal and descended to her cell from which she was to be led with the morning light to death the prisoners had assembled to greet her on her return and anxiously gathered round her she looked upon them with a smile of perfect tranquillity and drawing her hand across her neck made a sign expressive of her doom the morning of the eighth of november seventeen ninety three dawned gloomily upon paris it was one of the darkest days of that reign of terror which for so long a period enveloped france in its sombre shades the ponderous gates of the courtyard of the conciergerie opened that morning to a long procession of carts loaded with victims for the guillotine madame roland had contemplated her fate too long and had disciplined her spirit too severely to fail of fortitude in this last hour of trial she came from her cell scrupulously attired a serene smile was upon her cheeks and the glow of joyous animation lighted up her features as she waved an adieu to the weeping prisoners who gathered round her the last cart was assigned to madame roland she entered it with a step as light and elastic as if it were a carriage for a morning's drive by her side stood an infirm old man monsieur lamarche he was pale and trembling and his fainting heart in view of the approaching terror almost ceased to beat 
she sustained him by her arm and addressed to him words of consolation and encouragement in cheerful accents and with a benignant smile she stood firmly in the cart looking with a serene eye upon the crowds which lined the streets and listening to the clamor which filled the air the crowd surrounding the cart shouting to the guillotine to the guillotine she looked kindly upon them and bending over the railing of the cart said to them in tones as placid as if she were addressing her own child my friends i am going to the guillotine in a few moments i shall be there they who send me thither will ere long follow me i go innocent they will come stained with blood you who now applaud our execution will then applaud theirs with equal zeal the long procession arrived at the guillotine and the bloody work began the victims were dragged from the carts and the axe rose and fell with unceasing rapidity head after head fell into the basket the executioners approached the cart where madame roland stood by the side of her fainting companion with an animated countenance and a cheerful smile she was endeavoring to infuse fortitude into his soul the executioner grasped her by the arm stay she said slightly resisting his grasp i have one favor to ask and that is not for myself i beseech you grant it to me then turning to the old man she said do you precede me to the scaffold to see my blood flow would make you suffer the bitterness of death twice over i must spare you the pain of witnessing my execution the stern officer gave a surly refusal replying my orders are to take you first with that winning smile and that fascinating grace which were almost resistless she rejoined you cannot surely refuse a woman her last request the hard-hearted executioner of the law was brought within the influence of her enchantment he paused looked at her for a moment in bewilderment and yielded the poor old man more dead than alive was conducted upon the scaffold and placed beneath the fatal axe madame roland without the slightest change of color or the apparent tremor of a nerve saw the ponderous instrument with its glittering edge glide upon its deadly mission and the decapitated trunk of her friend was thrown aside to give place for her with a placid countenance and a buoyant step she ascended the steps she stood for a moment upon the platform looked calmly around upon the vast concourse and then bowing before a clay statue of liberty near by exclaimed oh liberty what crimes are committed in thy name she surrendered herself to the executioner and was bound to the plank the plank fell to its horizontal position bringing her head under the fatal axe the glittering steel glided through the groove and the head of madame roland was severed from her body the grief of monsieur roland when apprised of the event was unbounded for a time he entirely lost his senses life to him was no longer endurable privately he left by night the kind friends who had concealed him for six months and wandered to such a distance from his asylum as to secure his protectors from any danger on his account through the long hours of the winter's night he continued his dreary walk till the first gray of the morning appeared drawing a long stiletto from the inside of his walking-stick he placed the head of it against the trunk of a tree and threw himself upon the sharp weapon the point pierced his heart and he fell lifeless upon the frozen ground some peasants passing by discovered his body a piece of paper was pinned to the breast of his coat upon which were written these words quote, 
whoever thou art that findest these remains respect them as those of a virtuous man after hearing of my wife's death i would not stay another day in a world so stained with crime End quote. the daughter of madame roland succeeded in escaping the fury of the tyrants of the revolution she lived surrounded by kind protectors and in subsequent years was married to monsieur champigny the son of one of her mother's intimate friends. End of section 14